You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome into your Wednesday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there in Cougar Nation. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We have a lot to cover ahead on today's show. Is BYU projected to go 11-1? You bet they are. And this is not fan fiction. This is coming from a publication online. We'll dig into that. We'll also talk about revenue numbers for BYU. The latest from the Equity and Athletics Foundation, a national database, has the figures for how BYU has done in the past fiscal year. We'll dig into that and how it projects forward with BYU joining the Big 12. And we'll also also open up the listener mailbag and answer some of your guys' questions. So we got a lot to get to and not a lot of time to get to it. So without further ado, let's dive on in. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 13th, 2022. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And a big thank you once again for joining us here on Locked On Cougars. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU. Want to remind you guys that we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And we are on YouTube now. If you're watching this on a video, hi. Um, you're looking at me. I'm waving at the camera. Those of you listening in the regular podcast will not see that. But if you'd like to be a part of the YouTube family, and I'd encourage all of you, even if you're not going to necessarily listen to the show or watch the show, please subscribe and enable notifications, like the episodes, comment, share with your family and friends. Do all that fun stuff to help us build this audience, especially in the YouTube sphere. You guys have been absolutely marvelous over the past four years or so as we build up the regular podcast side of this. Now as we add this video component, you're guys' support is doubly appreciated, so a huge thank you for your support in that regard. Time now to talk some BYU football. We've got some fan fiction. No, we don't. It's actually a, a, a fan-sided article. This comes from SaturdayBlitz.com. I'm going to look at the article now, so if my eyes are wandering, that's why. But this comes from Catherine Rose, and so far as I can tell, Catherine Rose has no connection to BYU. If she does, well, she's a very uh, blue-goggled fan because she has her way-too-early game-by-game projections for BYU football for the upcoming 20 2022 season. Spoiler alert, she has BYU going 11-1. Now, that seems rather ambitious to me personally, but let's talk about her projections for this and why or why not I agree with them. First off, she starts off, and she went in order with these, so we're going to go game by game with this. She says, USF, uh, taking on the Bulls down there in Tampa, Florida, says, USF was a dumpster last season. Nothing good has come during Jeff Scott's tenure so far, but it's not all his fault. He said after Charlie Strong left, USF's roster was so thin and depleted, there hasn't been much of anything left to work with. Thus, the Bulls are 3-18 and in the past two seasons and still don't have the pieces to be a competitor. She mentioned that Timmy McLean, the starting quarterback for USF, has showed some promise at quarterback, but that's where there is, but outside of that, uh, there's a tire fire, essentially. She says, in Tampa's melting humidity, the Cougars should cruise. Final score, BYU 48, South Florida 17, moving BYU to 1-0. Now, I agree that BYU should be USF. BYU has struggled historically in the state of Florida, no matter who the opponent is. When BYU has gone to that state and 
often it has been the first or second or third game of the year. It's been early on in the season when that humidity has at its absolute peak. There's humidity all the time in Florida. Any of you who live down there in the Sunshine State know that, but it is especially oppressive in uh, late August, early September. And so BYU will be facing against USF. I don't think BYU blows out South Florida in this regard, especially considering USF gave BYU quite the tussle in Provo last year, but I do agree that BYU should win that game. Game number two, uh, BYU has their home opener against the Baylor Bears. She says that Baylor is football is college football's Phoenix program. When Matt Rule took over at Baylor, the Bears had won the Bears, excuse me, had won one game his first year. By year three, they were conference champs. Dave Aranda has won up that. Going from two and seven in 2020 to a conference title in 2021, earned Aranda Big 12 Coach of the Year honors. But a lot of the big contributors are gone. They mentioned that linebacker Terrell Bernard and nickelback Jalen Petrie are off are gonna be impossible to replace. Offensively, Abram Smith, who absolutely torched BYU on the ground, takes his 1,600 yards to the NFL, as does Tyler Algier, as does star Tyquan Thornton. With the game in Provo, a narrow BYU victory awaits. Final score, BYU 20, Baylor 17, having BYU moved to 2-0. I think BYU is going to be more than jacked for this game. They want some revenge for what happened in Waco last year. BYU got a rude welcome to the Big 12, not officially, but unofficially, by the Bears last year. And BYU would love nothing more than to stick it to Baylor and obviously have a guy like Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos coming back to BYU for the first time since they left. That would be obviously some icing on top of that cake, but I, I think BYU, I think just the overall uh, factor of them being geeked for this game should carry them through. And I think they will move to 2-0. Now we come to game number three. BYU heads to Eugene, Oregon to take on the Oregon Ducks. Dan Lanning taking over, and uh, she mentions that they've been demolished by departures. Of course, there's Kayvon Thibodeau on the edge, whose athletic ability is beyond anything his peers could imagine. Behind him, Verone McKinley the third was a little anchor in the secondary, understanding and reading plays well. As bad as the defense has been hit, the offense's exit door has been even working harder. Quarterback Anthony Brown, running back C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye, as well as uh, wide receiver Devin Williams are all gone. At least there's Noah Sewell aiding Lanning's defense with a game-breaking talent. Any BYU fan knows who... Noah Sewell is or should know considering he was an Orem High standout. Led the nation in tackles overall last year across NCAA football. But she says BYU wins by double digits in Autzen Stadium. BYU 31, Oregon 20. This is an interesting one to me because this is a game that BYU, I think they should have a good idea what Oregon is all about going into this game. But you have to go to Autzen Stadium, which has traditionally been a tough place for away teams to play. And man, I'm... I'm iffy on this. I know that what she's saying is absolutely right. There's been a ton of departures for Oregon. This is a program a little bit on the rebuild, obviously, towards the tail end of last year. It was evident that they were a lame duck program. Their head coach moved to Miami. Uh, Speaking of Mario Cristobal, but I've just got a gut feeling that BYU loses this game in Oregon. Call me a jaded BYU supporter. I don't know what you want to call me, but I think BYU lose that game. That's where I differ here in this. Next up is the Wyoming Cowboys. Uh, she mentions that Craig Bull has been at Wyoming for nearly a decade now. He won multiple national championships in North Dakota State, came to Wyoming, has proved, uh, provided stability for the program. Unfortunately for Bull, almost all the big contributors from last year are gone. Among those is heat-sinking missile linebacker Chad Muma and the mesmerizing Isaiah Nayor at receiver. I think it's Neo Nayor, so she says that BYU should come out with a comfortable win. I completely agree with this. I think Wyoming is in full rebuild mode. Levi Williams, last year's starting quarterback, is now a backup quarterback at Utah State. 
That should tell you everything you know about the state of Wyoming football right now. I really like Craig Bull as a coach. I'm serious about this. He is a great coach, but he's got a monumental task, rebuilding the Cowboys on the fly. So I think I'm with uh, I'm with uh, our author here, Catherine, saying that BYU is now 3-1. and one. She has them 4-0. and oh. Next up, is as BYU reaches the halfway point of the season, she has Utah State saying that Blake Anderson could not have asked for a better first season at Utah State. That is understated. The team quenched his thirst for a talent with transfers, and the result was a Mountain West title. Logan Bonner and his 3,622 yards passing return at quarterback, but all three of his top receivers are gone, including 1,700 man Devin Tompkins. On defense, the problem isn't much better. Nick Henninger and Justin Rice combined for almost 200 tackles last year, and both have exited the program as well. She says that BYU should win a comfortable contest. This is a home game for BYU. She has BYU winning 37 to 24. I think Utah State's going to be a tricky opponent for BYU. I think the talent upgrade that has been almost immediate under Blake Anderson is going to make Utah State a lot more pesky than BYU fans might expect, but I do agree that BYU wins this game. So Catherine has BYU now sitting at 5-0 and as they get ready for their neutral site game in Las Vegas against Notre Dame. I have them 4-1. and Then she comes to Notre Dame. Uh, talking about Marcus Freeman probably shouldn't be here, speaking of Notre Dame, but when Brian Kelly stunned everyone and left for LSU, the highly respected defensive coordinator was the logical choice to be the head coach. What's left for him to couch up is a defense that returns almost every, well, everyone with the huge G's he could almost go number one of Kyle Hamilton at safety. Obviously, a standout player, speaking of Hamilton, who might be the best pure talent in the NFL draft this year. But they mentioned that the offense is Michael Mayer, one of the best tight ends in college football, but also mentioned that little else returns on that side of the football. She believes it's a classic thriller in Las Vegas, but BYU's talent doesn't get enough in the end, and she has BYU falling 20-17 to to Notre Dame. This is an interesting game to me because I think both fan bases are going to show up in force down there in Las Vegas. I am of the opinion that BYU actually has a better chance, for whatever reason, in this game in Las Vegas than they do against Oregon. I know that the talent disparity in terms of what I think Oregon and Notre Dame have right now is not comparable. I think the the overall more talented roster is Notre Dame, but I think BYU's got something special here. And she has BYU losing. I have BYU winning. So we both have BYU five and one at the halfway point of the season. Now the back end of the season begins a uh, week seven for the Cougars. They take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. They come to Provo. This is a program very much on the come. Speaking of Arkansas. Sam Pittman has done a great job rebuilding Arkansas is what Catherine writes back to respectability. A 9-4 season represents a very successful campaign given the Hogs were just 3-7 in 2020. I said this year's squad won't feature future NFL stud Traylon Burks, a receiver. BYU fans be happy you don't have to face that dude. He is lights out. But with Jaden Hazelwood coming in, KJ Jefferson should have a great target to throw to. Arkansas's defense won't have Hayden Henry, but Bumper Poole, one of the great names in college football, is back for the Razorbacks. They've also been upgrading their talent on defense with multiple SEC transfers coming in. Uh, I think that BYU should uh, be in a dogfight in this game. She's got BYU winning this one, a close one, 30-24 with Arkansas making the cross-country trip. I am terrified of Arkansas. I'll be frank. I, I think they were very, very good last year. K.J. Jefferson is one of the best quarterbacks nobody's really talking about, in my opinion. Is he inconsistent? Absolutely. But when he has it going on, he is absolutely lights out. I actually think BYU loses this game in a heartbreaker. I see it being like a one or a two or even a three-point game, and BYU falls uh, to five and two. Catherine has BYU six and one. Then BYU has Liberty up next in Lynchburg, Virginia. BYU will go cross-country 
country. Hugh Freeze, obviously, is still the head coach there at Liberty. BYU will not face Malik Willis, who is expected to be the top quarterback taken in this year's NFL draft. That means that BYU should uh, roll in this game. That's my personal opinion. As Catherine Rice says, unfortunately for the Flames, Willis is gone. So too is Story Jackson, a linebacker who had over 100 tackles in 2021. She says there are good players back from last year's squad, though, but without Willis and Jackson, BYU, uh, Liberty has become a de- decapitated, dual-headed hydra. She has BYU running away in a route, 40-13 to 13 over the Flames. I'm with her on this. I think BYU will run roughshod out there in Lynchburg, Virginia, but travel to the Eastern Time Zone, similar to the USF game to kick off the season, always a concern in BYU history. So, at the, I guess, we three-quarter turn pull roughly here for BYU. Catherine has BYU sitting at 8-1. and one. I have them at 7-2. and two. Uh, East Carolina, excuse me, uh, that includes East Carolina here where we both have BYU winning this. Mike Houston, the head coach of East Carolina, they improved in 2021, but they have not been necessarily the world beaters that they would like to be. Holton Ehlers is the head coach for ECU. Uh, he is uh, going to be a nuisance for BYU. He's actually one of the better quarterbacks that's returning for a team that BYU faces this year. But she's got BYU with a double-digit win, winning this one 45-27. I'm of a similar opinion. You're bringing East Carolina across the country. I think BYU runs away with this. So now we're at the three-quarter turn pull. I jumped the gun there. She's got BYU sitting at 8-1. and one. They will be nationally ranked. There's no doubt about that. If they are that and very highly ranked, I have them at 7-2. and two. And with the losses that I project to Arkansas and Oregon, that is where I think BYU may be ranked inside the top 25, but not as high as Catherine has them. Then comes game number 10, Boise State. And this will be the last game. BYU will play 10 straight games before they have a bye week. Let's also factor that in. There is going to be a fatigue factor that is absolutely looming for BYU, similar to what we saw in 2021. She mentioned that Boise State had an uncharacteristic 2021. They did beat BYU, but Boise, uh, she says, could be in for a big season. She says, yep, BYU's talent should carry the day for them, and the Cougars, a win is in order for them. I think I'm with Catherine on this. BYU won all kinds of revenge for the absolute debacle that last year's game was. BYU unable to get out of their own way, turning the ball over, making some curious calls on the offensive side of the football. BYU is out for blood, I think, in this Boise State game. She's got BYU 30, Boise State 17. I'm in agreement. BYU wins that game. So she's got BYU 9-1. And, and at that point in the season, as BYU hits the bye week, if they're 9-1, I could see them being on the door of the top 10 nationally with the amount of high-level teams they're facing. They'll finish off the season with games against Utah Tech after a bye week. Both of us, uh, me and Catherine, both agree they should just absolutely rip apart what is the, now Dixie State and by then will be Utah Tech. Utah Tech changing the name on July 1. They come to Provo. Uh, Paul Peterson is a great, great man head coach of Dixie State slash Utah Tech, but they are no they are no match for BYU. Uh, unfortunately, many of you might recall the Wagner and Savannah State type FCS games for BYU. I'm saying the uh, Dixie State, Utah Tech, they could be that bad, and BYU should be able to name their score in that one. So they're 11, they're 10 and 1. In Catherine's book, I have them uh nine and two in that respect. And then they go to the season finale at Stanford. Uh, 2021, as she notes, is the worst season David Shaw has had since he took over Stanford in 2011. They went three and nine. They were anonymous aside from upset wins against Oregon and USC, which are absolutely stunning considering they won three games last year. But she says still there's hope for Stanford. While they don't bring back any of their leading rushers from last year, the rest of the team is intact. Granted that offense only ranked 99th in yards per play, but continuity is key. They lose all Pac-12 defensive end Thomas Booker, but have all their other major guys back 
back from a year ago. This includes Kiu Blue Kelly. Uh, is it Kiu Blue Kelly uh, who blo- broke up 11 passes in 2021? And although Stanford can expect to be much better in 2021, she doesn't believe BYU is going to fall out there in Palo Alto. She's got BYU winning in a nail biter, 27 to 23. I think BYU is actually going to take care of business against Stanford. I think it's still very much a program that is in rebuild mode if you're looking at what they're trying to do. I think BYU wins this. She's got BYU finishing 11-1 at this juncture. I've got BYU 10-2, but I can't disagree with what her evaluations are, speaking of Catherine Rose here. I think that she's got a lot of sound reasoning for BYU, but if BYU goes 11-1, you're talking about yet another special season, another double-digit win season. I'm forecasting it as well. Your third straight going into Big 12 play. That's some high praise for BYU, and it would obviously have a lot of hype for BYU going into Big 12 play the following year. Who knows what happens, and obviously a lot can change between now and then with regards to the actual start of the season. We are 144 days away today. I think we are, maybe 143. Apologies, I probably should have had that up in front of me before we started, but it's coming fast and looking forward to it. But hey, double-digit win seasons are nothing that you ever throw back, and if you have a third straight one, you have really uh, arrived, I feel like, if you're BYU football. So there you go. Some interesting notes from Catherine Rose. Now, we need to talk about the money that is going to back BYU as they obviously are a program who's expected to have a massive windfall when it comes to joining the Big 12. What are the current numbers for BYU, at least the most recent numbers we can dig up? We'll get into those and how it uh, projects forward for BYU when they join the Big 12. We'll get into that momentarily. But first, a word on our friends over at Built Bar absolutely love this company. Send a nice little graphic there for you guys. Built Bar is one of our great sponsors and I want you guys to give them a shot. They are the best tasting protein bars that I have ever had, but the more important part is their macros are absolutely nuts. Most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to any other candy bar out there on the market that usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. It's no comparison. The best part is if you want that so-called sugar high, you want to get that sweet tooth fix that you get from your candy bars usually, well, guess what? Built Bars can do it, and they can do it in a more healthy way for you guys. Get to Built.com right now. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and if the Built Bar itself is too thick for you guys, give the Built Puff a try. What it is, it's the first ever protein-infused marshmallow bar. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're an absolute treat, and they're also covered in 100% real chocolate. Order them all now at Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 while you're there. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. They are the best tasting protein bars that I have ever had. I mean that sincerely. I want you guys to give them a shot. So once again, Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Get enjoying the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar. All right, time now to talk about BYU Athletics, but a quick reminder that thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen every day. Now for a big announcement. Starting Thursday, April 28th, tune into Locked On NFL Drafts live. I heard You heard that right. Live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft live from Las Vegas with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team will pick in the lead-up to that, catch Odyssey and Locked On NFL's Mock Draft Special, which is hosted by Brian Peacock and former NFL 
NFL scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. That will be taking place all week long leading up to the first pick on April 28th. All right, let's talk about uh, projections for BYU football. But at first, a look back. And some of you know about this website. It's called the Equity and Athletics Data Analysis. I believe it's, yes, U.S. Department of Education. They collect all the numbers from the various colleges out there around the country, even the private schools, which BYU is one of those. BYU does not reveal the numbers that they make from their athletic department. I really wish they would, but I understand why they wouldn't be keen on doing that. So I'm very understanding of why BYU is very reticent to go out and project these numbers out into the world. But under, I, I don't know what law it is, BYU does have to provide these numbers for the most recent fiscal year to the federal government. So the reporting year we have here is for 1-1-2019 through 1-1-2021. That is two full years uh, for the BYU Athletic Department. And I want to talk about some of the numbers that came out in this. And the biggest numbers, I feel like, are for the football program, the men's basketball program, and then just the overall revenues generated for all BYU athletics. Let's start off with the the total uh, revenue for BYU football uh, for this period was $25,578,675. let us note that this was during the height of the pandemic, this projection period, the numbers being reported here. So $25.5 million rounded off there. Uh, the BYU men's basketball program, a little bit of a stunning number here. The total revenues for BYU men's basketball, and it's probably due to the NCAA tournament uh, numbers being lower than what they would be considering BYU and the rest of the NCAA didn't have the tournament. $3.65 million. $3,651,391. The women's team, though, uh, opposite the men's basketball team, $7.679 million. So almost eleven million $3 million in revenue coming in from the basketball programs. As I mentioned, the $25 million from football. So the total revenues for the men's and women's teams uh, are going to be a grand total of $30,805,272. Now, that's a good number, obviously. It's, it means... Uh, probably little to you guys, but that's actually more than BYU has ever made revenue-wise from all of their sports, and that also includes the other sports outside of football and basketball. Uh, there's a grand total of one point, oh, excuse me, two point seven to $2.782 million made for all the other sports outside of basketball and football. That shows you where the lion's share of the money comes in. It's in hoops and football. Anybody who tells you any different they're lying. There's no doubt about that. $2.7 million, obviously, it's not chump change, but it is a drop in the bucket compared to what BYU football and basketball are making relatively. Now, these numbers obviously uh, have to be projected against how much BYU is spending as well. So expenses. Football has spent a grand total for this period of $18,902,527. So $18.9 million for football, $5.6 million for BYU men's basketball, $1.699 million, so almost $1.7 million for the women's basketball team, and then total expenses for all sports outside of BYU football and basketball is a grand total of $13,447,597. I apologize. I'm butchering these numbers. So the grand total of expenses for BYU somehow, and don't ask me how this always comes out this way in BYU's ledger, but the number of expenses is exactly equal to the number of revenues. I don't believe that for a second. BYU, they're not spending to the literal dollar, I think, dollar for dollar. Now, 
that $30 million in revenue and the $25 million, especially for BYU football, you're going to see that number shoot up astronomically once BYU joins the Big 12. There's obviously been a lot of talk about what the Big 12 is going to pay out when BYU joins the conference. Let's note one thing here. BYU, for the first two years they're in the Big 12, they will be under the old uh, TV deal that the Big 12 holds, and that will pay BYU a 50% share of what full-fledged members of the Big 12 are making. Last report, uh, they paid out a grand total of $47.2 million to member schools in the Big 12. That would increase at least $17 million if it were just straight across. BYU getting that $47 million, that's $17 million added to the coffers right away. But as we noted, BYU will only make half of that for the first two years there in the Big 12. So what are the projections for 2025 when the new TV deal for the Big 12 goes into effect? Well, our good friends over at Sikkim Bears 365, David Smoke and the crew, they do a great job covering Baylor and just overall Big 12 football. They're actually projecting, and the latest numbers indicate that BYU could be in line to make $42.4 million as a full-fledged member of the Big 12 in 2025 and beyond, and that number's only going to go up. That is going to increase the coffers for BYU and there's a lot of talk out there right now about BYU needing to increase facilities upgrade facilities uh, Barry Trammell who works for the Oklahoman out there in Oklahoma City he was out and be out at BYU this past weekend he talked about the fact that the Marriott Center and the football stadium Lavelle Edwards Stadium need some upgrades in particular luxury suites that type of a deal I think with the increased number of money, the increased numbers, yeah, the increased uh, projections of money coming into BYU beginning in 2023 and then especially in 2025 and beyond, you can expect that facility upgrades will be probably on the ledger more readily for BYU at that point, considering they'll be making more money than they ever have in the history of the athletic department. $30 million is nothing to sniff at for BYU in terms of overall revenue, but when the low end right now of what you're being projected to make, if you have $47 million, dollars you cut that in half that is 23 and a half million dollars and that's just coming in from the big 12 alone some big money is coming BYU's way and then once you upgrade that to the projected 42.4 million dollars in 2025 and beyond well reinvest that money. I know that BYU, they have always had to eat what they killed. They've always had to rely on themselves with regards to their numbers that they project to make. And I actually respect how the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has operated with this. They obviously have told BYU Athletics, you have to make the money that you guys are able to spend. The other issue is now, as BYU starts to make more and more money as an athletic department, how much will that money be increased in terms of charter flights for all teams, maybe across all sports? sports. Will that increase? I would hope so. Facility upgrades, obviously reinvesting in the, into these programs. We're already seeing BYU add a number of jobs with regards to the football program in particular, upgrading the staff there. Good things are ahead for BYU athletics if things are taken care of the right way. And I've got no reason to believe that Tom Homo and the rest of the brain trust down there in Provo will not use this money prudently and be smart with it. But it looks like good times are ahead, my friends, for BYU football, at least on, on the cash side. You have to make sure you invest it wisely and do the right things the right way. But I'm of the opinion that with increased money coming into this athletic department, the BYU football program and the rest of the athletic department for BYU, they should have an influx of the resources that they've always dreamed of having. Think upgraded facilities for baseball and softball. I have known for years and I've heard for years that they would like to have an indoor facility specifically for the baseball baseball and softball program where there's actually uh, infield dirt in that indoor facilities. They can take grounders and hit uh, 
and do BP, all that stuff on actual dirt during the offseason. That's a possibility. Uh, upgrading the Loge situation at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Upgrading the in-stadium locker room, which has been just an absolute dumpster, it feels like, for many, many years, or is projected as such. I don't necessarily think it's as bad as people say it is, but there are people out there who want to see that upgraded. The nice part is, is all of this money coming into the program, into the athletic department, the football program in particular, it should pretend BYU's opportunity to go about building up these facilities. It is going to be important that BYU is smart with that money, but man, you've been operating on a relative shoestring budget as compared to some of your compatriots you compete against head-to-head annually. Now that you are in the quote-unquote big time, making that big time money, I want to see you put it up. Put that money where it should go. Increase your budgets. Increase your staffs. Make sure that these are top-of-the-line opportunities for all of your student-athletes, all of the coaches, the administrators. I would like to see BYU just up the ante a little bit more. They've done a great job uh, building up towards the Big 12, but once you start making that money, with greater responsibility comes greater expectations. And I look forward to it. I think BYU is ready for it, and we'll see if they ultimately can live up to the hype and the billing, and hopefully they can handle their own with regards to all their money. All right, I have been just been blathering on and on and on today, but I do need to get to one question that was sent in via our mailbag segment I asked for earlier this week. We'll get to that as we close out today's show here momentarily. Before we do that, though, today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Rock Auto. Yay, another graphic. Here you go. RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you would need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse, warehouse excuse me, happens to carry? You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, and you can save time and money when using rockauto.com. I can speak to it directly because I recently had to get a part from my car. The best part is rockauto's website made it super easy. I searched out my vehicle, found the part I need, uh, clicked order, and in a matter of days, literally, I think it was two days, it was on my doorstep. It's absolutely incredible. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% markup for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? So go to rockauto.com right now. They are a family business, been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer, and they've got everything you could ever need. Everything from brake parts to tail lamps, mortar oil, even new carpet for your vehicle, and everything in between and beyond that. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for all of your auto parts needs. So get to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck, or SUV. Make sure you write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, time now to answer a question before we go out the door here on today's edition of Locked On Cougars. And it comes in from Mike. He emailed us, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. If you'd like to reach out via email, you also can send in your questions via social media. Uh, Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, I've thought about getting a TikTok, but I'm just not so sold on TikTok. But maybe at some point we'll be on TikTok. You also can uh, tweet at me, Jacob C. Hatch is my Twitter handle. I always love interacting with you guys and getting your thoughts. But this question comes from Mike. He says, Jake, 
Uh, what is the concern level that Hoops fans, speaking of BYU basketball, should have since we have heard about BYU reaching out to a number of guys in the transfer portal, but also little in the way of reciprocation of that same love they have been issuing? And I hope that makes sense to you guys. The question he's asking is, BYU, we hear all the time these reports. BYU's reached out to X number of players, but it seems like right now there's been little in terms of the way that BYU's uh, getting feedback or uh, quote-unquote hearing back from these young men who are interested in the BYU men's basketball program. To answer your question, Mike, I think there is some concern that BYU may have to uh, play a little more of a long game because the transfer portal has never been more popular in college hoops. We just saw the American Athletic Conference Player of the Year for SMU, and his name's escaping me, enter the transfer portal. Obviously, he's trying to upgrade his situation, maybe go play for a Blue Blood program, but... If the best player in a conference is entering the transfer portal, you can guarantee that you are going to have a ton of programs who are high, high, high level programs who are going to come in and try and scoop up that talent. You want to go on the football side of things, Alabama is adding transfer portal targets. Nick Saban, who recruits at maybe the highest level of any coach ever in any iteration of college football, if he's hitting the transfer portal and bringing in guys, that should show you how important the transfer portal is. Is BYU in trouble? I'm not going to say they're in trouble at this point, Mike, but I think BYU does need to make sure that they continue to absolutely comb through and find as many guys who are interested in it. If they reciprocate that interest, I'd love nothing more than to talk about it and share it with you guys, but I understand Mike's wariness saying that, man, I hear about all these guys that BYU has reached out to, but I'm not hearing much about them being like, hey, I want to come visit BYU. It may take some time for BYU to finally land a guy or two or three in the transfer portal, Mike, but I think they will do their best to find the right fits. I've got no doubt that Mark Pope is doing his absolute best to get BYU in the best position possible going into the Big 12. And by the way, this is just an aside. Um, did you guys, and I hope you guys saw this on social media, did you see Colin Chandler throw down that one hand, just nasty poster in Portland last week? Uh, he was playing in a tournament up there. What an athlete. He is a huge pickup for BYU. Obviously, he's going on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints before enrolling at BYU. At least that's the plan currently. But when he gets to Provo, folks, you are looking at a bona fide number one guy. If he is the guy that we all believe he can be for BYU, there's a lot to be excited about. I'm also very high on Richie Saunders and Dallin Hall coming in off missions this coming year. They may not be ready day one for BYU this coming season, but there's a lot of talent coming in from the high school ranks for BYU and coming off of missions, and that is a positive sign for BYU. The biggest thing for Mark Pope, Mike, is for him to take that high school talent and meld it with the transfer portal guys and find that uh, nice balance. The best balance that BYU has found was his very first year, speaking of Mark Pope. When you had Yoli Childs, TJ Hawes, who were guys who had been stalwarts for Dave Rose's program, and then you brought in uh, Jake Toulson, who had been at BYU but was at UVU and then came back as a transfer portal addition, that was the best blend of athleticism, shooting, and just overall team cohesiveness that Mark Pope has had at this point. He's going to continue to try and find that right balance. It felt like the next year with Alex Barcelo in the mix, it was a very good team for BYU, but maybe not as good as the year before and then this past year they very much kind of went in on being a more athletic team and let shooting go by the wayside 
I think shooting is going to be a bigger part of the factor for BYU when it comes to this iteration of Mark Pope's squad, but only time will tell to see where things ultimately land. So hopefully that answered your question, Mike, and we'll be getting to more of these questions. I ran out of time on today's show, so we'll get to more of these on tomorrow's show. If you've got questions, like I said, please reach out via social media or email us. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right, that is going to do it for this Wednesday edition of the show. It's been an absolute honor and a privilege to be with you guys once again. A big thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. As I mentioned, we'll get to more of your questions on tomorrow's edition of the podcast, and we'll see what else we can come up with. I'm looking forward to talking a little more BYU football. I've got a few ideas in my back pocket, and some of you have been asking, when does the top 100, or what we're going to do is our, we're going to do top 50 countdowns. We're doing the top 50 independent players and the top 50 players of BYU football outside of the independent era in our countdown to the football season upcoming. That's going to start next week, so just kind of a heads up for you guys on that. I'll be bringing you more details later on this week as well. So we got plenty to still to cover this week on the podcast and a huge thank you once again for your support as always want to encourage you guys now to make your second listen of the day our friends over at the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast it is hosted by Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker they are bringing the NFL Draft to life every single day with all the insight and analysis you guys need to know about to get you ready for this month's NFL Draft get it free and available wherever you get your podcast that is going to do it for this Wednesday edition of the show a huge thank you once again for your support as always this has been the Locked On on Cougars podcast for April 13th, 2022. And we will talk to you guys manana.